Timothy tonight, and uh, we're going to continue on our series on um, the Bible book tour, and it's good for us to, to sort of get a, a, an overview of the, the purpose of each book, why it is that God wrote it, and, and some of the contents of each, and, and I know we're already doing a series on First Timothy on Sunday nights, and so probably some of this will just sound familiar and it's, um, it was just an introduction one anyway, the last time we covered First Timothy. And so it'll be that again tonight, but, um, but hopefully with some different things for you to, to uh, grab uh, this evening. But First Timothy chapter 1, let's just read the first uh, six verses of this, this great book. Then I'll make some introductory um, uh, things here and then we'll make an application at the end. But chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went up into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. And so here, the, the opening of, of the book, I think it would be evident for, uh, for you already as you followed along in your reading that this was a, 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 a letter written to Paul, uh, from Paul to an individual here named Timothy. And really, the occasion of the writing of this, this letter was Paul and Timothy arriving in Ephesus and recognizing that there were heretical teachers. Um, really, as Paul had predicted, we, we note that in, in the book of Acts, uh, there were busily these, these false teachers engaged in, in spreading their errors. And so upon leaving the city, Paul charges Timothy with the care of the church. Now, if you know a little bit about Timothy, he was a young preacher. And so, really, this was a, a letter where, where it was an admission of need for Timothy. Timothy needed the counsel and guidance and moral support of his older and superior minister. And the nature of the false doctrines that had been brought in, in is somewhat shown in the expression, science falsely so-called. And so, the beginning of which was, was already apparent. It had already started to permeate the church. And this apostle... Uh, then uh, this, this um, uh, Timothy opposes, uh, opposes all of that, and, uh, and it, he's, he's, he's really tasked by, by Paul to stand up and stand up for the truth. Uh, we know Timothy's early education really had prepared him in part to become the, the contender of this and other errors, and yet it wasn't that. It was his comparative youth, okay, the short period during which he had been in the ministry. And really the need to stir up the gift within him, it made, him an, it made it a necessity for him to seek the advice of a sage and well-seasoned minister. And so this letter really is are the, they're the explicit instructions from Paul to Timothy, lending uh, Timothy the authority from the apostle and the direction for the affairs of the church. All right, so if we were to summarize the whole book, in one sentence, it's this, whatever challenges that Christian leader faces in life and ministry, they are to grow in godliness and maintain order in congregational life. 
And that's what was happening. He needed to keep order and, and show how, to, how they ought to behave themselves in the house of God. And, and that's why, if you note, on, on Sunday nights, we've started a series on authentic church. And it's, a, it's just a good, a good study as we go verse by verse um, into this book on, on how it is to be a church. And so, um, some key facts about the book. It's the 54th book, all right, in your, in your Bible. Again, Paul is a writer. It really is written in response to the issues arising in the church of Ephesus, of whom Paul um, tells Timothy to, to tend to the flock. Now, Timothy's name simply means honoring to God. All right, and this man who, who had a good character, we know um, if, you, if you study the life of uh, Timothy, we know that he was well spoken of by the disciples, well recommended. And so even in his youth, he was a young man who was an example. And so we know that, that he's exhorted about that. But in this book, it's really just a short book. It's got six chapters, 113 verses, 2,269 words. And so a great read. I've been trying to read through it every day since we've started the studies over the last couple of months now. It's about two and a half months. I've been trying to read it, read it through every, every day. But a good read. The key word in the... In the book, I believe, is the word faith. The word faith appears 19 times in 18 different verses. The word faith is really at the, the crux of the issue in, in Ephesus. It was a, this book, this letter, it was really an exhortation of what faith has produced, firstly, in the life of Timothy, what faith looks like, and how faith is to be applied. And really all of that in the life of the church, in the life of the Christian and, um, and so, I believe that that's a key word there. Uh, the key verse is 1 Timothy 1.19, holding faith, a good conscience, which ha- some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. And, and that was a warning given to those two individuals there that we read in, in chapter 1. And, and, but the exhortation given is to hold faith. It means to, to, to hold on to the thing that is authentic, that is real. And a lot of the, and we'll study this out, I'm giving you a bit of a preview for Sunday night, what the other doctrines are. A lot of them was just made up stories based on the characters of genealogies that had started to, they, they had started to creep into the teaching of the church as, as part of doctrine when it wasn't, all right? And so, um, so anyway, that, that's not the focus tonight, but, um, but the word faith, and, and that, that's really at the crux of of the argument and the letter given here to Timothy. And some interesting facts, as you know, 1 Timothy is one of, the, one of three pastoral epistles or, or letters written specifically to pastors rather than churches. So uh, 2 Timothy and Titus are the other two. Um, this is the first New Testament book to discuss in detail the offices and order in a local church. So it's very instructive in that way. It's the first New Testament book to, uh, sorry, Paul had warned when he left Ephesus, again, as I mentioned, that false teachers would trouble the church there. And really, his prophecy or, or his prediction was coming true here as, um, as we observe. Look at Acts chapter 20. And um, Acts chapter 20. And um, notice verse 20, uh, 26. 
says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. He says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And again, we, we noted um, that really to, to protect ourselves from, uh, from wrong doc- doctrine, we need to be immersed in the Word of God. And he's saying here that, that he hasn't neglected, he hasn't shunned, he hasn't, hasn't, um, he hasn't withheld those things that, that, are, um, that are needful. He says he's declared all the counsel of God to them. But here comes a warning in verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, it says be vigilant. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so he's saying because of all of this, I, I've, I've taught you the whole council. I want to warn you though, those will come in. He says even those among yourselves, just not sparing the flock. And he's saying, you know, I, I, you, you need to be warned and you need to watch. And really that's what's coming about um, in, in, he, in the book of 1 Timothy, uh, in, the, in the church of Ephesus, uh, those, those wolves had started to come in and, and teach some uh, heresy, had, had started to emphasize some wrong things. And so Paul really writes to instruct Timothy to do several things. Firstly, in, in chapter 1, verse 3, to stand firm. Chapter 1, verse 4, to speak up. In chapter 1, verse 18, to take care in verse 19, to fight on, and then also to keep true. And so he writes those things to Timothy, um, who is needing instruction. Again, some facts about Timothy. Um, of all Paul's companions, Timothy probably uh, was one of his most faithful and loyal. Um, Timothy's name appears some 24 times in the New Testament. His mother Eunice and grandmother Lois were godly Jewish women. But we note that his father was Greek. And so we know that he also, he grew up on the Word of God. And we see that in the second letter to Timothy. He's invited by Paul also at some point to join the team during the Apostles' um, second trip. We see that in Acts chapter 16, verse 3. And that that team would consist of Silas, of Paul, and of Luke. And so so just a couple of things that we know about Timothy. He he accompanies Paul during his third missionary journey. Uh, he becomes Paul's close companion during the apostles' first imprisonment. And often it was, it was Timothy that, that he sent for and he, um, he, he spoke about. And then later on, like Paul, he also suffers imprisonment. I think I, I mentioned this fact here a couple of weeks ago. He, uh, Timothy performs ministry in at least five New Testament churches. He does it in, in Thessalonica, in Corinth, in Philippi. We, we read about it, him in Berea and here in Ephesus. Um, Timothy, in, in, all, um, in all likelihood, may have been somewhat a reserved individual and probably someone who didn't always enjoy robust health. He, he was often uh, given, um, given advice by, uh, by the Apostle Paul about his health and he was nevertheless a man of God, and, he, and Timothy, Paul refers to Timothy as that in chapter 6, verse 11. This epistle provides probably the most extended list 
explaining the, the needed qualifications for pastors and deacons in the New Testament. And really in considering, um, in considering someone uh, for, that, uh, for that office, that list is it. It's, it's, a, it's a definitive list. It also includes the first of three passages in Paul's writings where he, he predicts last day conditions. Um, he'll, he'll note that in chapter 4. In the last days, uh, um, he, he's going to refer in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and then chapter 4 as well. And then he's also going to put out the reasons for man's headship over the woman here in this, uh, in this book. And so it's, it's quite a comprehensive book. It's, it covers a lot of ground. The, the purpose of the writing, again, Paul wrote this to his son in the faith, Timothy, to accomplish several objectives. Firstly, to encourage Timothy in his faith. Um, no doubt as, as Timothy entered in, and maybe uh, even because of his, his personality, the way he is, uh, much of his confidence probably was shaken by the, the actuality of the situation, the, the fight that he was in now uh, for doctrine. And so we see, firstly, Paul's, um, Paul's purpose was to encourage Timothy in his faith. Secondly, to instruct him concerning church organization in chapters 2 to 3. And then also to instruct him concerning personal conduct, uh, which he spoke about even um, specifically to different groups in the church in chapters 4 to 6. So a good outline of the book. You could, you could really title the book, Keep the Faith. All right. Um, you see, firstly, the, the Church of Christ in, in chapters 1, 2, and 3 in its doctrine, in its worship, in its oversight. And then we see the ministry of Timothy in chapters 4 to 6, his, his walk, his personal walk, his, his work, his official work. And so we see that outlined right through the book. And the, the type of Christ that's um, mainly seen in the, in the book of 1 Timothy is in chapter 6. So if you turn there with me, chapter 6, and look at verses 14 to 16. Verse 14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. All right, so we see that, um, that Christ is seen as the supreme potentate the ruler, the king of kings, and he is indeed. And so, so uh, I'd encourage you to, to read through, and particularly, you know, I want to just say this. I know several of you young men have, have approached me and have even publicly declared in front of the church that you feel called to the ministry. Um, study out the book of 1 Timothy in the nature and the character of, of one who is who, who's called to, to the work of the ministry. And it'd be a good study for you to go through in your just in your personal, uh, in your personal study, and and uh, it'll just it'll just give you good direction as far as uh, how how to be in your character. All right, so um, we're going to look at um, chapter chapter one verses twelve to seventeen, and just pull a, pull out a thought here as we um, as we consider these things. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, and he says in verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, 
for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious sin, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And so really the, the first chapter gives a bit of a salutation. Then, then really it gives, Paul, Paul gives Timothy his duties, what his charge is, what, what reason he was, uh, the reason he was actually there in Ephesus. But then in the midst of that, Paul starts to talk really about himself. Paul starts to recollect a little bit about his journey. And here you could, you could sense Paul's, um, uh, Paul's transparency to his, uh, his disciple, he, a faithful, a faithful um, uh, fellow laborer. And he's really speaking to Timothy, and, and he, it's almost an aside, these couple of verses. It's a bit of an aside as he, he starts to talk a little bit about his journey and who he was, and, and he really is, it's a recollection. And, and what we're going to see is Paul's personal recollection of, of what's happened, of him. And I don't, I don't know if uh, you're, you're like that. You know, it, it'd be a good thing for us to sort of remember our journey of faith. You know, sometimes we're a little too distanced from Calvary, uh, from the time when we believe, from the time when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. And yet we see the Apostle Paul, even as he was considering himself a man of, in, in the ministry, writing as a mentor to a young man in the ministry, he wasn't too far away from, from those things that had transpired in his life. And here, under the inspiration of the, of the Holy Ghost, he's, he's writing to Timothy just some personal recollection about himself. And he says in verse 12, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. He's starting to recollect a little of his personal history. And he starts off by thanking God. That's a good place to start when you consider where you're at, is to thank God. He's thanking the Lord Jesus Christ who he has enabled him. And so he starts off by thanking God for enabling him. And, and let's not forget uh, tonight, let's not forget that whatever, whatever fruit we've borne, whatever um, maturity we've seen, whatever we've, we've achieved um, in the Christian life, it was never about our ability. It was always about the Lord Jesus Christ doing something in us and through us, right? It was never about, oh, wow, I was so faithful. Oh, wow, I was so talented. Oh, wow, I was so gifted. Oh, wow, I was so full of power. No, no, the, the apostle's attitude, a man greatly used of God, was, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who hath enabled me. And, and church, let's, let's not think, uh, and let's not be, be so far removed from the grace that we received through our salvation that really we've, for, we've forgotten that it's all about Christ enabling us. And let's be kind of the, the kind of people that we're always remembering about that. And really Paul's recollecting. And here in particular, Paul thanks God for putting him and enabling him to be in the ministry. And, and I can relate to that great joy and, 
And I understand that the Apostle Paul was greatly used, and, and I hope to be, I hope that you, you hope to be used of the Lord. But let's remember that whatever ministry we are in, it, it was God's enabling and it was God's, uh, God's um, placing in our lives. And in 2 Corinthians 3.6, he, he says something similar, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. He says, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But he's saying, who also hath made us able ministers. Not that they were able in the first place, but they were made able ministers. And, and whatever you, your, your calling is tonight, church, and, and whether uh, it's in, a, in your Sunday school, whether it's in, a, in some sort of, um, uh, some sort of uh, role within, uh, within the church or in some outreach, you know, some of, the, some of those things that God's called you to, don't think yourself to be a shiny object in the hand of God. No, we were just, we were just plain vessels that He hath enabled. And the day you think you're special is the day you'll fall over. The day you think that you've done God a favor is the day that you start to go backward. And here Paul, and you know, I, I'm amazed by, by some of the language he uses about himself. But here he's reminding, he's really reminding Timothy that, that no matter what your character is in the sense of what, what giftings you have and, and, and all of those things that make you to be you, it's God that enables you. He hath enabled you. And, and He will be the one that will enable you again. You know, there's, there's some of you who are in a, in a stage of life that you're, you're probably thinking, where, where am I headed? You know, we've got a, a, a lot of our young people here tonight and, and uh, you know, they're, they're all trying to figure out what the will of God is. But can I just encourage you young people that whatever God has called you to do, He will enable you to do it. Even in our time. You know, it might seem impossible to, to have a, a great family in our time. There's so many competing Forces. There's so many things, and it might be impossible to, in, in our minds, to to really uh, see something uh, magnificent done for the Lord. But it's God enabling anyway. It's His it's His work in us, and, and so Paul's recollecting that. And there's a, a couple of things I want you to note here. Really, firstly, he was recollecting uh, his validated faithfulness, and, and he does say that he says in in verse. 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, right, putting me into the ministry. And, and so it wasn't like Paul wasn't faithful, but he wasn't, he wasn't counting himself faithful. It was, it was a faithfulness that was validated. There were some things that, 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 um, that God had shown him that validated that he was indeed faithful. Um, and, and really, it comes down to, to this. It really comes down to the fact that he had fruit. See, the, the he that counted Paul faithful wasn't Paul. The he that counted Paul faithful was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he was referring to. And, and the, the Lord validated Paul's faithfulness in that he was placed, firstly, in this unique ministry. To be validated means to, to be proved. All right, it's easy sometimes to assume our own faithfulness, but I wonder, does God have the same opinion of us? You know, we might think we're faithful based on a, a, a different metric, a different measure. 
We might think, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a three services kind of guy. You know, I, I'm, I'm sort of the... But, but in God's sight, are you indeed faithful? Does He share the same opinion about you? You understand faithfulness is a key ingredient. It's a key characteristic in the Christian life. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 4.2, Moreover, it is required in a steward. Not optional. It's required that a man be found faithful. And uh, it's, it's not an optional extra. Um, you know, when you go and register, try to register your vehicle, there's some things that are necessary before they pass it. Just yesterday, I tried to register my, my truck. And it has a busted tail light, and unfortunately, the part hasn't come in yet. And, and I, I was hoping that just let it pass because I thought, oh, it's still, you could still see the light. But, you know, I, in their checklist, it was required that that thing is fixed. And unfortunately, the part hasn't come in, so it's just sitting. And tomorrow is the due date, all right? So you pray that it comes in by tomorrow. But, but it's required. And that's how God views us. If we, were to, if we were to be the kind of stewards and the kind of servants, and the kind of people that God is, is going to use, that He's going he's to need to find us faithful. I'm not saying faithful in comparison to others, but faithful in the sight of God. And so He's saying here that, that it, was, it was God who counted Him faithful. And you know, as we steward the life that God has given us, let us be faithful. You know, we see so often in our day and age a lack of faithfulness. Why is it that churches struggle? And why is it that it seems that the, the, the labor force that God is, is meant to assemble? And why is it that, that this, this army that God refers to is so diminished? I, I can just say it's because there's oftentimes a lack of faithfulness. And in Proverbs 26, 20 verse 6, he says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. You know, a lot of people think they're, they're faithful for whatever metric that they measure, but he says, but a faithful man, who can find? He says, who can find him? And you know what that indicates? There's a need. There's a need for faithful men and women today. And there, there needs to be faithfulness in, in, in our area, in the area of testimony, in our testimony for the Lord. Are we faithful? Are we faithful to church? Are we faithful to worship Him? Are we faithful in our devotion and our closeness to God? Are we faithful in following God's will and way for our lives? You see, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, 20, a, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And what we take away from that is this. Faithfulness really is a characteristic of someone that's in it for the long haul. You understand that, that the, the way the Proverbs are written is, is the first statement is in contrast to the second statement. And so he's saying a, a faithful man shall abound with blessings, but then he refers to the one who's hasty, who tries to get instant results, who's in it for the short run, and he's saying that's not a faithful man. A faithful person is in it for the long haul. He doesn't look at, he doesn't look at just that week. He looks at the years to come and says, you know what, by the grace of God, and God enabling me, I'm just going to keep on for the Lord. And, and you know, um, many times, 
you know, there's, there's those who get off to a good start um, in, in, or, or come in spurts and spans in their Christian life, but it's rare to see someone to just in there day in, day out, year in, year out, and many decade, decades in and decades out. And, and, you know, many times God's looking. He's saying, you know, that really the, the measure of faithfulness is just the years. It's, it's, you're in it for the long haul. What it is is there's fruitfulness in the long run. And I want to just encourage you, even as Paul was recollecting some of these things, he was firstly recollecting his validated faithfulness. I wonder if we're faithful in the sight of God. Secondly, he was recollecting his former life. In verse 13, he says about himself, who was before. He, he's saying, now I'm this. God ha- it hath enabled me. He's, he's seen my faithfulness. He, he's counted me in the ministry. He, he's placed me in this. But... But, you know, I wasn't always like this. And, and you know, oftentimes, especially, especially if you're like the Apostle Paul, you had a checkered past. It's sort of a painful thing to think about that. But understand that when we, when we do admit to what we were before, to what we are now, what we're really admitting is the power of God and His enabling work in our lives. And so as he recollects his Formal life. He says, who was before. And Paul was under no illusion as to the state of his life before he received Jesus Christ as Savior. And let's not be under any illusion that somehow God handpicked us because we were so favorable in His sight. No. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that even prior to our salvation, even those good works that we did, they were just as filthy rags. And aren't you glad, though, that, that now when we do good works for His glory and our motive is right, that they're no longer filthy rags. They're, they're silver and gold and precious stones. Aren't you glad? But that we didn't earn that. That was all the grace of God. And so as he recollects his, his former life, he remembers that he was a blasphemer. Or he remembers he was a persecutor. He, he was injurious. And, and he was the one who was... He was uh, going out and, and persecuting the church itself. And what he was, was recollecting was those things that were undesirable, those things that were so shameful. And, it, and yet he was understanding that that was his former life. It was before. And the other danger, though, is, is we can never get past all of those things when God has clearly said that, that he's, he's cast our sins as far as the east is from the west and He remembers them no more. And I'm glad for that. And you ought to be glad for that. Because all of us, our sin, all of us, it was criminal. It was controversial. None of us were little sinners. All of our sins contributed to the weight of the cross. And, and so he was recollecting his former life. Well, you won't take the time tonight, but if you want to look at his involvement, you can see Acts 7, uh, chapter 7 and Acts chapter 8. In Paul's history, there came a time, though, when God had mercy on him. And aren't you glad, if you're saved tonight, there was a time where where you realized God's mercy upon you? I'm glad for that. He says in verse 13, I obtained mercy. He says, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And and you can see his conversion in Acts chapter 9. And, you know, in 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 our unbelief, we have done some grievous things, haven't we? 
But God had mercy upon us. And mercy is what we, what we get when we realize that we did deserve the condemnation of God. We deserved it. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that. Um, I've been glad the last couple of weeks to hear of, of many salvations, but in particular some of our church children getting saved. Glad for that. I'm glad for the little ones getting saved. And last week, my, my, my son, Malachi, he, he, um, he opened his mouth and he, he called on Christ to be his Savior. I'm glad for that. And I was sort of relating to that. I was, you know, I was seven years old when I was saved. But, but I understand that I may not have the, the checkered past like some do who were saved later on in life. But you know what? It was, it was mercy still for me. He had, I deserved just as, as much as a seven-year-old boy as a seven-year-old man. I deserve God's condemnation. I deserved His full judgment on my sins. And yet in His mercy, He spared me. In His mercy, I was saved. And I want to I encourage you. At times, you know, we, we sort of look at our, our past and, and we forget what we were in comparison to who we are now. This is the part of salvation where we realize just how vile and wicked we truly are in the sight of God, and yet we obtain mercy. Mercy. And so as he goes on, he says, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious, and, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And then he goes on in verse 14, and, and really quickly, he recounts, there was a recounting of His gracious Lord. And he says in verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And here he recounts, as he, he is about to launch into a, another thought, just the graciousness of His Lord. He recollects all of that. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. He's, he's recollecting what the Lord has done in his life. And the term here, Exceeding abundant means to go beyond what we consider great already. You know, like it's, it's like those uh, commercials where you see something on the, on the shopping network and you think, boy, this looks great. And then the, the announcer goes, but wait, there's more. All right. That's sort of that, that thought. And, and here the, he's saying, you know, the grace of God. And he says it was exceeding abundant. I thought I got this, but it's so much more. And listen, church, tonight, I'm afraid we're so cold to what God has done for us that, that we just go through life like, oh, I'm glad I'm saved, and then that's it. <laughs> listen, there's so much more, church. I, I don't understand. Listen, I don't understand. I don't understand Christians who, who can't get excited about the gospel. I don't understand Christians who can't get excited about the Bible. I, I don't understand Christians who, who just can't get excited about those things that we read about in Scripture that's promised us. I don't understand that. There's so much more. There's things that we're going to see in heaven and see in our future and God perhaps will even allow into our lives that's so much more. And sometimes we can hardly hear a peep of any, any excitement or any joy. And we sort of go through life like, this is it. No, it's not, 
It's life more abundant, church. It's much more. And that's what he was saying. It's exceeding abundant. It's Ephesians 3.20, he uses the same language. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I was speaking to a young man last night who, who uh, is looking for work. And, and I was just trying to gauge his attitude and his spirit. It was sort of a sudden thing that he was une- it was unexpected. But, but he quoted that verse to me. And he was saying, you know, I just think that God has something greater for me. And it's a good attitude. I, I understood his spirit in that. And what he was asking was this, God, I don't even know. I can't even think about what you can do, but you can do it, is what he was saying. And you know, that's ought to be our attitude. As we go into anything for Christ, as we do anything that, that is in the will of God, we ought to have that attitude. God, you know, I can imagine, but you're so much higher than my thoughts. And you're so much more in your ways. And, and, and you know, as Christians, uh, we ought to look at Christ and not look at our own limitations and recognize that God is able and well able. He's exceeding abundant. And he's saying that, that the grace that was given him. We have a gracious Lord, but really in all reality, we have a generous Lord. And, and he's given, that, given us his grace, he's given us salvation, but he's given us so much more. And he's saying there in verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And, and Christ's grace provides us with all we need with faith and love beyond who we are and what we are. And so as he was sort of putting in a, it was a bit of a soliloquy. He, it was a bit of an aside. He was almost speaking to, about uh, speaking to himself here. But he was just recollecting what God had done, the, the things that he had enabled him to do, what he used to be and what he is now. And, you know, it would do us good to at times sort of step back and go, boy, God's brought me along quite a bit. And I'm undeserving. You know, my life's not perfect. And there's some things that I still need to work on. But boy, God's been good to me. God, God's brought me along. He, he's enabled me to do this. He's enabled me in this area. He's enabled me in that area. And you know what I was? Boy, I deserved so much, so much condemnation from God, and yet He saved me. What a gracious God I have. And you know, it, it, sometimes we think that now we're saved, that, boy, God's lucky. Boy, God's, God got a good one in me. <laughs> That's not true. It was God. And, and God, God could have, God God could choose to just set us aside. But God in His grace chooses to use us over and over again. And I want to encourage you this week. Maybe you've had a bit of a rough week. Maybe there's some things that you're sort of, let me just say God's not done with you yet. And God will work if you would just let Him. God will work if you would just lean on Him. And God will work if you just would, would just immerse yourself in His grace and recognize that it's His work in your life. All right, let's pray. And Father in heaven, thank you, uh, Lord, for tonight. And Father, I do pray that you'd help us. Lord, as we head into some time of prayer, Lord, we need you. Lord, we, 
we are people, Lord, that need to call out to you because we indeed are needy people. And so I pray that you'd help us as we, we head into this time. Help us, Lord, to, to just walk humbly before you. Father, to recognize that all of those things that we're, we've been able to see and do, Lord, it's all, all by your grace. It's all by your enabling. I pray, Father, that you'd help us as, as a church to, Lord, to rest upon you, to rest upon your power upon our lives and, and help us as individuals to, to recognize that daily, moment by moment. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name.